Hello and welcome back to this week's Influencer Marketing Talks brought to you by Cure Media, Influencer Marketing Agency of the Year, humble brag, and one of the leading agencies for high street fashion, home and beauty brands. I'm Holly Moran and today I am joined by my colleague Bernard Rosenkrantz, our in-house data scientist at Cure Media, and we're going to give you a kind of quick take of our standing room only session at the Influencer Marketing Show 2022, so stay tuned. It's so good to have you with us, Bernard. You're becoming like a frequent face on the podcast, right? This isn't your first rodeo. No, it isn't. Thank you, Holly. It's it's always nice to join you uh, during this podcast. We uh, we try to uh, to make have a good time today and see if we can explain some new fun topics within AI and machine learning. And even quicker. We we always feel like we got it as tight as we possibly could for the show yeah. itself, and now we're going to try and do it even quicker for you guys. So I think it'd be good. So. I think the jumping off point is um, why did we pick the topic that we did? The topic that we ran with at the Influence Marketing Show, the IMS, was is data-driven influence marketing the industry's biggest con, which was slightly provocative, slightly controversial. Mm. But the reason we chose it is because it's it's such a buzzword, right? You You search for the term data-driven influence marketing. Google at the moment will return you 12,700,000 results. And that's up almost half a million, I think, since we even did the show a, a month ago, I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. it's a really popular concept, but I think there are definitely some discrepancies about how it's used within the industry. Yeah. And like by analyzing these results, I will, we looked at the, um, I remember we're looking at like the top 10 influencer marketing ag- agencies in the UK. Um, we looked at both Google and LinkedIn, and what we found was that only about one in ten of these market these agencies had some type of data role in them. So, so clearly something is missing. So today, I think like we're gonna have to dig into what this is about and whether the concept of data driven influence marketing really is the, the biggest con uh, for for the um, the market. Yeah. So why don't we start uh, with looking at five things that we see touted, we see get dredged up all the time uh, by agencies, by brands, by marketers as proof that their influence marketing is data-driven, mm. uh, when in fact it's it's not proof at all. <laughs> so we'll rattle through these because you know you, this will probably be familiar to for most of you. But the first one is spreadsheets. Um, the amount of presentation decks we've seen or websites we've seen that have, you know, cute screen grabs of spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are great for snapshot or micro reporting. But if you're truly data driven, right, Bernard, like the volume of data that you should have, that's not, you're not going to be able to manage that on spreadsheets, right? No, it, it shouldn't fit in an Excel sheet. Then, then, yeah. then <laughs> we Like we have so much data, Bernard has to have a special data scientist wizardry laptop like our normal macbooks can't even handle the amount of data he's working on (laughs) so no spreadsheets um should be they shouldn't be the basis of your data-driven influence marketing vanity Mm -hmm. metrics are another one super easy to fake there we never like to talk about this because it's you know it's it can make people wary of our channel 
but they're, they tend to be quite a low indicator of propensity to convert from your audiences. They really don't give the full picture of what your influence marketing is doing. Another one we see is end reporting only. You know, agencies uh, or brands will go, we're data driven. We always review our campaigns. We always look really closely at the data once it's over. If you are only incorporating data into your influence marketing, once your influence marketing is done, then you're not data driven because no. you're foregoing the real strength of the approach in that you can optimize throughout. You have a constant feedback loop running where you can weed out underperformers. You can weed out things that are wasting your budget, are wasting your time. Number four, we're getting there, one-shot ads. And I know everyone loves them. They're very easy to do, very easy to execute. Uh, they require very little investment in the channel. Um, they are easy. They are not effective. Consumers do not trust them. We've seen from our own research that 68% of consumers massively prefer and massively trust more recommendations from influencers that are sustained over time. So one-shot ads are not going to be effective. They're not going to work for you. And the final thing that comes up really frequently is performance-centric influence marketing. The idea that you can run your influence marketing uh, in a one-off campaign, throw a discount code out, uh, out into your audience, and track the results off the back of that. And I, I completely understand why this is popular because um, attribution is really straightforward. It's incredibly clear where your ROI comes from when you run a discount code exclusively through individual influencers. But the reality is that this, if, if you're exclusively doing performance-centric marketing, it's not going to foster long-term results. It can be effective as part of your strategy, but if it's the entirety, then you might actually be in, be doing more harm than good in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Now, as components of a wider and, and truly data-driven influencer strategy, are these tactics or, or um, what you call approaches, they, they aren't really inherently problematic, right? <sighs> no, I'm, some of them. I mean, I, I would say one-off ads um, or end reporting only mm. are, or no, not even one-off ads, you know, yeah. if you're doing kind of a fireworks moment or a big promotion, then they can be effective if they are part of a wider always on strategy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. End reporting only, that's a mistake. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, you can't be data driven and not optimize your campaigns with data. That's just, yeah. It's it's silly, but no, you're right. They're not they're not inherently problematic as tactics. It's just the reliance that we're seeing on them that's becoming a bit concerning. I think. So yeah, it's 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 kind of when brands rely too much um, on these type of of metrics or or, or approaches that, that it, it becomes a problem or or, or worrying. And we at Crumedia, we have identified like the most common obstacles that we see companies struggling with to become truly data-driven because it's, it is hard. It, it is expensive and hard. You need to have a lot of knowledge. So some examples would be, first of all, the regulations. We see that GDPR and the British version um, of GDPR are, are, are difficult for companies to, to implement. It's, it's a lot of work. You need to spend a lot of time with lawyers. 
The next time would be just data software. It's it's really expensive to develop and maintain and constantly be innovative and yeah, develop. You need a lot of data, of course. To be data-driven, you have to have data a long way back. So you have not only data in the moment, but also been saving and storing data for a long period. Um, we see that clients can have quite high expectation of like what um, kind of data-driven approaches and AI machine learning they're expecting. So you need to always be able to meet them and implement their what they're asking, asking of you for in ter- terms of data-driven approaches. Um, there are, of course, the problem with everyone in the company don't have a deep knowledge or understanding of data. It's a quite complex area. Um, and finally, your activations might be just too big for your operational stuff to cover. Like they can't be sitting in Excel and work, but you have to like, you need to build a system for this. Um, so yeah, there are, there are quite some obstacle obstacles for a company to, uh, yeah, work with. Yeah. To to overcome. It's, it's, it's a really difficult task and it's a difficult task within a really challenging landscape right now. But the reality is that even kind of best practices are only going to get you so far Mm. nowadays, you know, of course you should still be using data to guide uh, KPIs and influence selection. Or if you want to select your platforms and your content, of course you should be optimizing and obviously you should be tracking your data post campaign and, you know, using that data to inform the next campaign. Obviously, of course, you should be doing all these things. These are the best practices that, you know, people have relied on for a long time within their data-driven influence marketing. But with the outlook being so bleak and 2023 is looking rough uh, and the landscape is so competitive, it really is the, what we call the next practices that are going to put you apart from your competitors and the things that you need to be focusing your energy on right now. Definitely, absolutely. We see that we want to stay on top of the most advanced and best implementation of the latest within innovative AI and machine learning. uh, Machine learning. And, and and that's what you need today to stay competitive because, yeah, as you said, the market is very, very competitive right now. And of course, that is, you know, that's where you come in with all of your, your work that I, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah. Being super important. Mm. Um, but before we dive in with all of the clever stuff, I think maybe, and I feel like you've done this for me a gazillion times, but it's always helpful if you can give us the briefest, most kind of ELI5 explanation of what machine learning actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's a bit difficult without images and everything, but we'll try to to keep quick, yeah, keep it quick and easy. So, first of all, if you want to have a maybe a more in depth uh, version of this, what I'm going to present now, we can go back to episode sixty four, where we actually did a whole podcast more about AI and machine learning. But but yeah, I'm going to try to explain how it works. Um, <laughs> and actually. Just to interrupt, if you do want the graphics, and Bernard does have some good graphics, then there is a whole webinar that Bernard did with our head of operations and client success, Emma. It's available on our website, and then you get all of the pictures too. But for now, audio only. Let's give it a go. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, what is machine learning and AI? So I think it's important to just understand the difference. So machine learning 
it's a subcategory of artificial intelligence or AI as it's abbreviated. So AI have all different types of areas, but machine learning is one part of this. So what is it? Well, very, very easily said or explained, it's a, it's a process to, um, to work with big amounts of data that uh, a human person can't work with. Because yeah, as we talked about before, Excel is good for like when you have a, a small number of data, but when you have millions of millions of rows, it's not that efficient to work with um, with Excel. So then you apply machine learning instead. So uh, a very yeah, simple example would be something called supervised machine learning. And what you can imagine is if you remember back when you did math, you have a function. What is a function? Well, it, it takes an input, it's a black box, and then gives an output. And depending on what input you give, it gives another output. So um, a good, I think, like example of this, I think most of you, you've seen this before. It's when in your iPhone, maybe, you, um, you take an image of your face, and that's the input, your face. And then the AI does some type of uh, calculations or, or, yeah calculations of your face and out comes your face maybe with makeup or uh, with maybe i don't know a bigger mouth or bigger nose or like a dragon face or something so that's like basically that black box that the calculations the ai does of your face that is yeah the machine learning and you can train this this machine learning black box on a lot of different stuff so for example yes i mentioned we can train it to convert a normal face to a make a face with makeup on, basically. So, I would is- never have thought of that as machine learning. <laughs> it is. It's one of my- I don't. I don't need to know how it makes me look pretty. I'm just like, put it in the phone. Make me a prettier version. <laughs> yeah. That- since since we're not turning um, our influences into dragons, mm. um, how how are we, as in we, Cure Media, um, putting that kind of uh, computer wizardry to use right now. Yeah, so I think I think um, we we have a lot of different ways we use it, but some some more concrete and easy to understand would be uh, the first thing is is something we call like optimized audience analysis, and and this is where we we take an influencer and then we analyze like all of our influencers' data, like maybe their their average likes, their uh, average comments, amount of clicks they get, like profile pictures and and yeah, a lot of different stuff. And then we maybe have a campaign and we want to find the most optimal influencers. We can use all this data and an AI to figure out which kind of influencers are most suitable for this campaign. Uh, another thing would be um, predicting different types of uh, return of investment KPI. So maybe we want to figure out like the amount of clicks a uh, profile will get before a campaign has even started. Maybe we want to look at, um, I don't know, the amount of likes or comments, or it could even be like uh, a type of cost predictor of how much we should pay for an influencer to, to um, yeah. And finally, we have something called lookalike modeling. And here is, we could, we could like find... Uh, profiles that look or kind of reminds of each other. So if we have one fashion influencer, fashion influencer that is like uh, very targeted towards, I don't know, children or something, we can input her into an AI system and it will spit out maybe like 50 others. So this is just some 
basic and simple ways that, that we use Azure Media, AI and machine learning? I mean, you say, you say basic and simple. Um, and this isn't, you know, this is, uh, forgive us for two an hour and all of it. But I know from looking around that these kind of things are not something that I'm seeing um, a lot of. I'm not seeing many agencies or many brands doing this kind of work. And, you know, you work very closely with Burbuck, who is one of our founders, for those who don't know, and he's our head of product. Um, what, between you guys, what is the reason behind this push? Why are we so data-centric, I guess? Well, I, th- I think I think the, the, the most important thing is human humans, they make errors. Machines... Mm-hmm tend to make less errors because we have some type of bias. Every person has some type of bias. But, of course, it's it's cost-efficient. It's faster to uh, to have a, a recommendation model find 1,000 influencers in a matter of seconds instead of, yeah, looking up each influencer and looking if they're okay. We could just, like, in a matter of seconds get maybe 100 influencers that are a perfect match for a campaign. So, and then also... Yeah, at Cream Media, we we want to stay innovative. We want to try new mm-hmm. stuff. We want to like be on top of everything that happens within the field of, of uh, AI. We really value innovative ideas and new ideas. So I'd say it's a mix and match of everything. But uh, yeah, ho- hopefully that answers your question. Uh, uh, something like that. Yeah, no, I see that. You know, it's it's quicker, which makes everyone's life easier. <laughs> But also, yeah, you know, I see, I see in our campaigns um, the that that interest in innovation, and I think that segues us quite nicely into what was the grand finale um, mm. of our session. And this is going to require a bit of kind of audience interaction moment because obviously at the IMS we had big old screens. We could show you exactly what we were talking about. We had images. Um, we don't have that. This is a podcast. So just have your phone or your laptop at the ready because there is some cool stuff that you can look at. Because when we were putting the session together, Bernard and I really wanted to see how far we could push the idea of data-driven influencer marketing because it is so much bigger than just tracking results on spreadsheets. So we came to the question of what if we could use data to essentially build out an entire campaign? So we started off with a brief. We imagined a mid-range luxury fashion brand had come to us who, and wanted to market their, their line of neutrals to a millennial audience. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this um, mid-range luxury fashion brand, what we did was looked at what is the first thing that you need to do? Yeah, you need to have an idea for a campaign. You need to create some type of idea for what kind of post you're going to do. So what we did was that we we used a text AI, which can generate ideas for you. So we asked the uh, the AI to come up with about 10 ideas for social media posts using different keywords as mid-range fashion brand, millennial, millennial audience, and yeah, and so on. And what we got is in a matter of seconds, just like 10 ideas that would, would yeah fit quite suitable for, for this type of campaign. And then we used this, these ideas and we put them into another AI, something called a text-to-image AI. And what this does is you 
write, for example, um, a person riding a bear in the middle of the mountains, and it will generate that image for you. So this is not what we did, but what we did was <laughs> these ideas, and then we inputted them. So what we did, these ideas that we generated, we then put them into this image, uh, text-to-image AI. Um, and as you can imagine, the idea could be, for example, a, an influencer, um working for a mid-fashion brand doing some type of maybe winter collection or, yeah, standing in front of a tree wearing her favorite uh, winter clothing type mid-range fashion brand, something like that. And what we get, got out of this was really, really good quality, high-quality pictures. So, um, and then we use something, yeah, an, a caption generator to create captions for the, the post. Maybe, Holly, you're the expert on that. You want to... <laughs> Explain. I, mean, I don't even know if any if if any expertise is required. I mean, this is this is probably the element that that our listeners will be most familiar with. Um, if you spend any time writing any copy, I'm sure you've received ads for copy AI generators. Uh, they're quite extraordinary. You know, we put in the kind of rough um, information we wanted to convey. We selected the mood we wanted it conveyed in. Luxury standard. And it churned out captions, as many captions as we wanted. We could just keep pressing generate until we got ones that we liked. And so if you open your phone, I told you there was a bit of audience participation. If you open your phone or your laptop and you go to Instagram and you search for Lotta, L-O-T-T-A, dot influence, you can see the results. Yeah, and I think it's like really worth mentioning here that everything on this this Instagram profile or, or yeah is generated by an AI so the idea of the posts the image the caption so everything and and yeah as you mentioned before this is just for us to test test and push and see what will the future bring to influence the marketing um, and yeah if you look at the most recent posts you, you can actually see that this was created at the IMS itself so <laughs> so yeah it's 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 quite and it, it goes quite quickly to do as well i mean this this was maybe i'm a matter of minutes work uh, yeah but we left Bernard in a corner with his laptop while we all went and had fun <laughs> <laughs> but, so i think it's Im- important to know that that we're not saying that this is something you should be doing right now um no don't don't go home and and sack all of your influencers because influencer marketing talks told you that you could just use a machine from now on. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's still really new. Like when we used it, it was about three weeks old. So there were there were a lot of like weird stuff also going off. Like uh, if if you ask me or Holly on on LinkedIn, you will find um, a lot of weird pictures that we also generated. So it's it's really not perfected, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe five to ten years, we will see a completely new level of this. Um, yeah, there were some weird results. Um, but the point is here is that this is the stuff that that we have an eye on. And it's the sort of things that you should have an eye on if you want to be data-driven. Yeah. I think it was the same week, actually, that we did the IMS, that Marks & Spencer's, a huge retail brand in the UK, they actually launched their own first ever virtual influencer. And Bernard, you didn't actually... You didn't really rate it, did you? No, I, I wasn't that impressed with it, actually. But, but, yeah. It's got high standards, Marks and Spencers. Don't take it personally. <laughs> so 
this this is not everyday stuff yet. This is not, you know, where you need to be right now. But it's also not some techno-futuristic steampunk fantasy either. Mm. This level of data-driven influence marketing is already hitting the mainstream, which means you or any agency you work with need to be conscious of it. So let's bring it back to the original question. Is data-driven influence marketing the industry's biggest con? And I think the co- well, the conclusion we've kind of come to, very um, unsatisfactorily, I, I, I assume, is is no, and and also yes. So yeah, Holly, it's 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 really it's true what you're saying. It's it's truly a no and yes answer. So yeah, the, the important point is that data-driven in, data-driven influence and marketing it is possible, uh, and in fact, it's it might be absolutely necessary or or or. Yeah, maybe even critical for you. But as we talked about before, the majority of the brands and agencies that we see, they are not being data-driven. They are basically not embracing the potential they have uh, yeah, of, of their data or, or within the channel. Um, and yeah, for some people, it might as well be a con um, because the results and, and the innovations, they are basically not going to be there. So yeah. yeah. Bombshell. <laughs> and on that note, I think that, I mean, that, no, I think I, that's all we have time for today. As usual, I've taken us way over, um, but I hope it's been interesting. I know I'm always interested to talk about this, Bernard. It's been so lovely to have you with us to share your expertise again. Thank you, Holly. It's been lovely, as always. <laughs> I have been your host, Holly Marin. If you do want to learn more about marketing in the digital age, then head to our website www.curemedia or check us out on any of our socials at Cure Media. Thank you again for listening and we will see you back here next week for another episode of Influence Marketing Talks.